Okay, now we're recording. Um, but yeah, I stopped for a little bit. Um, I decided I wasn't going to play like this year because I just didn't feel as though like, I could commit to it. Yeah. Um, which is one of those things, like I don't do things in halves and if I can't do something and do it well, I almost don't want to. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's been, uh, it's been hard because I obviously enjoy playing, but I want to be able to play at a high level. And if I don't feel as though I can do that and do the game justice, then for the most part, I don't think that I should. And ultimately, if you can't commit, right, like a team football's so much bigger than just yourself as an individual player. And if you can't commit to like showing up for your team week in and week out, um, some people can do that. I just find it challenging. And I like to know that I'm, I guess, giving my all to the game. Yeah. Giving your, your best as well, like for yourself and also for the team. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And um, when I was doing my research, you were the youngest ever to, to play at 11 and to score a goal as well. Yeah. Yeah. Baby Burge, as people like to call me back in the day, Baby Burge. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was incredible. I think for me to have exposure to the highest level of the women's game in the country at such a young age, truly kind of, I, I think, went a long way in shaping me, not just as a footballer, but as a person. I was always really, like, honestly, beyond my years. And to be able to be in an environment where I was treated like an adult and I felt, um, I guess, like I had a voice and I was a part of, like, an environment where, yeah, I guess just generally it kind of brought out the best aspects of my maturity um, and helped me kind of, like, develop at the pace that was more natural to me rather than kind of putting me in a, uh, in a box of having to kind of grow up and be at the same level as my peers. I felt that that was incredibly instrumental in like my personal growth as much as my, my, my footballing growth. How does that conversation go? Is it your parents like, Hey, uh, it's a little bit too easy for you in your, you know, own age group or are you like, Oh, mom, dad, I want to go up. Like, as the coaches say it, how does that go? Like, as opposed to going from like under 12s to like under 18s, but you're going straight to the top grade. How does that conversation go? I, it wasn't as much of a conversation as it was me getting kicked out or like respectfully asked to leave my first club, which was Puhoi Piranhas. We basically, well, my parents were told, like they were asking around other parents when I was younger, when I was like three, four, five, like, Tessa's just got so much energy. She's so active. Like, what do we do with her? Basically, like, how do we, how do we, how do we get her out of the house and get her doing something constructive? And down the road, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Puhoi girl. I'm a Bohemian. So they sent me down to Puhoi Piranhas, and I played there. My first season, I was five years old. So I played there for when I was five and six, and I think I scored something like. It was close to 400 goals in a season, which I know doesn't 400. mean much when you're five and six. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they were like, nobody's, nobody's touching the ball. Like Tessa wins the ball, goes and scores, come back, comes back to halfway, wins the ball, goes and scores, comes back. And they ended up putting rules on me where like I had to pass like four times before I could go and score a goal. <laughs> so and of course it was like mixed. So I was playing the boys, but yeah, they, they respectfully asked me to leave up after a couple of years because it just, nobody else I think was enjoying the game as much as I was. <laughs> How was like, uh, what was your, that was your first year. So like, what were you doing before mm -hmm. that? Like, um, you know, three, four, you know, was it just straight away? Just, yeah, just straight away. Yeah. 
I think I was always, yeah, no, I, I truly like that was my first um, real exposure to organized sport. And I think I loved and thrived on the fact that it was a team environment. Um, clearly it wasn't displayed in my game <laughs> in my formative years, but I, I enjoyed being around other kids and I was always very social from a young age and very active and athletic. So they were kind of like, well, she's out and about, she's bouncing off the walls and she's you know, incredibly coordinated and athletic. So let's just get her into doing something that makes my parents' lives a little bit easier, but yeah. also is like fulfilling for me. Yeah. Was your uh, parents uh, athletes or what no. was their background? I think that's what's so bizarre is like my, my dad's, I'm a bird you throw and throw. So like I'm a spitting image of my father. He's a spitting image of his father. Um, both like from like our physical appearance, like dark, you know, blue eyes rather and, and kind of blonde hair. But um, I think it was always bizarre to me because even though they were athletic, they never, you know, ever competed in sport. My dad's kind of claim to fame to this day is that he was the fastest runner at Aharoa school. And I think he had about six people in his year at Aharoa school. So, <laughs> so that's not much of like a, like a, like a true representation of his um, athletic achievement, but um, no, I didn't come from a footballing family. I didn't come from a sporting family. It was just, let's like placate her and put her into an environment where we kind of get her off our hands. And I just talked to her like a duck to water, they say. <laughs> yeah. They just wanted to tie her out basically. So yeah, seriously. It was just, like, let's just, let's just tie her out. Um, and, you know, hopefully she, yeah, finds enjoyment in it as well, which I did. Yeah. And you went on um, to Epsom Girls, eh? So you killed it in the soccer for years and years. And then how did you end up at uh, Epsom Girls? I was really fortunate that one of the things that my, my mother actually, um, really was quite certain of was trying to put all of us girls so myself and both of my sisters in an environment where we could be uh, I guess best set up for success um, I found it incredibly challenging going uh, to the school the local school that I was at so I went to walk with primary school first which was truly some of the best schooling years of my life and I wouldn't change them for a single second I felt as though at that time I was really able to develop um, as I needed to at the pace that I needed to. But when I went on to uh, my, my, I guess, intermediate, that was actually a college show. It was years seven to 13. I struggled a lot and I struggled because I was very, very different. Um, and I didn't want to conform to, I guess, the norms of that environment. It was a low decile school it was a local school and I almost kind of knew what I was going to do and, and how capable I, I was. And I had so much self-belief in where I could go that um, I knew that I needed to be in a different environment that was going to, I guess, facilitate that development. And I was really lucky that um, my, my mother uh, said, look, like we'll look at other opportunities outside of what you've got here available locally. And Epsom was an option. It was a great footballing school, um, but I guess further to that was uh, certainly a, a really strong academic school. And uh, we went on scholarship. So uh, all my sisters and I ended up going to Epsom and we had scholarship funding that enabled us to do that. And we ended up boarding there. So I was boarding there for all five years, which 
uh, I really enjoyed. It's not for everyone. It certainly wasn't for both of my sisters, but for me, yeah. it was a fantastic experience. Far out. So you just go there during the week. Would you go back on the weekends or just in the holidays? I did go. I did go home in the weekends, most weekends, because I had football. Um, so I would, for like probably the first couple years, two, two-ish, three years, I would, I would go home. And then in my latter years of high school, I ended up uh, flatting basically. So I was. It was weird. I was. I'd spend about two days in the boarding house. Little did the matrons know. Um, I was spending like two nights there and then basically the rest of the week I was, um, living with my partner at the time. So yeah, I was, I was beyond my years to say the least, but, um, it was, look, it worked for me. The situation worked for me at the time. And I mean, hostel was great, but yeah, I think I outgrew it pretty quickly and yeah, went on to clearly live in a different environment. Um, something that was a bit more me and suited to what I needed, I guess, at that point. Did you put the old um, pillow underneath the sheets? And um, <laughs> I wasn't doing it, although, yes, it wasn't kosher and it definitely wasn't allowed. Um, I was very covert in my, my operations. It wasn't, they knew I was gone. There was no, like, health and safety issues of thinking Tess is in the house, but she wasn't. Um, so I would, uh, <laughs> I would have, like... To begin with, like you have like leaving forms to get out of hostel and it's got to be like signed by a parent. I did that for the first few years. So it was all like legit when I was like year nine and year 10 to go to training. And by like, I think fifth form, um, they were like, oh, we know Tess is going to training. Like we know Tess is independent. Like she's going to training. She's going to stay. I don't know where they thought I was ultimately staying, but they never, never asked me for signatures after that point. They were like, Tess is just fine. Just let her go and do what she needs to do. Which was hilarious because I was like 15, turning 16 at that point when they were finally just like, you know, Tess is going to do Tessa, just let her be. And like there was year 13s, like 18 year olds that still had to get their parents' signature to leave the house. And I was just coming and going. It was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> um, does your parents know this yet or what? As... Oh, yeah, they knew at the time. I was like, look, this is my situation. I mean, I pretty much like, without going into, I guess, a whole host of deal, um, or detail rather, I pretty much like raised myself from, I'd say about 11. So I was very self-sufficient, very, very early on. So I, I pr pretty much wasn't accountable to anybody other than myself. So yeah, they were, they were in the loop. They knew what was happening. They knew where I ultimately was and where I was spending my time. Um, but they had no qualms with it. They were happy yeah. with it. You're just like, I'm doing this, mom yeah, and dad. basically. Yeah. See you on the weekend. <laughs> yeah, like maybe I'll see you. I think I, I didn't see them as much as I, I wanted to, but um, like probably in my latter years of high school, but I try to keep a good balance of being able to go home and see them, but also do my thing. Yeah. Um, and you, went on, you ended up going on to study in, in Florida in the States, which, yeah. which is sort of where I, um, I found you because uh, oh, wow. I've been um, – Co coaching I'm into basketball coaching and basketball the game mm -hmm. and and uh, one of the groups I'm a part of they said um you know this is this is a way that if you want to get your kids into uh you know scholarships and you know through um, sports this is one avenue and I clicked on the mm -hmm. link and it had a few people that had done it and you were one of them hey and then, I, and then I and then I clicked on you and I was like man this is pretty cool so I got two two daughters and um oh yeah it's a path I really want them to do is, you know, the student athlete path, you know, um, 
you know, it's a great mix of both worlds, as you've mentioned, you know, you, you learn a lot from sports and then you also learn like in the classroom and get to travel the world. So I was like, man, this, this, uh, this lady's doing everything. So I was like, <laughs> so uh, thanks for, thanks for um, coming on. So you went to Florida. Yeah. Tell us about that. You got the scholarship. Yeah, I did. I ended up getting a, a full scholarship to go and compete as a division one athlete in the U S at college. And I think on paper that was nice and shiny and certainly you know now i'm in this industry um i i, I guess see the the other side of it or the the flip side of the coin and unfortunately that was true of my experience and that although it was an incredible opportunity it wasn't the best opportunity for me so I loved and I had every intent of going over completing my four years and, you know, thriving in that environment. But my reality was that I uh, focused on the wrong aspects, I would say, of, of recruitment. Um, I had the scholarship funding that I was after. I thought location-wise I was in a good environment. Athletically, I was in a top 25 program out of nearly 3,000 colleges in the US. So it was a top-tier athletic program academically um you know it was a strong entrepreneurship program there and i was developing my business at that time so i thought okay well this pretty much ticks the majority of the boxes that i'd kind of outlined but i guess the last thing and the most important thing that i admitted was was i going to be happy there was i going to thrive as like a human being because i did well athletically i made you know all conference teams i won you know freshman of the year i won defensive player of the year so i did well on the field which is great i did well in the classroom i had you know perfect gpa but i was absolutely miserable and i think wow. nothing else matters if you're not happy right what was that i guess you're maybe getting to what was that missing piece for you it was culturally it wasn't a good fit so I'm pretty progressive, I would say, and very inclusive. Um, I think I'm one of those people that pretty much thinks before, thinks about everybody before I think about myself. And I found it very hard in the environment where I was, um, that I didn't fit in as a human being. And I mean, I'm one of those people I can get along with anybody. And like, for me, that's not a hard thing to do. But, you know, you don't, for me, I, in order to be I guess fulfilled um, and to thrive like I need people in my immediate circle that I align with I think most people do and I couldn't find that there and it was it seems like the most basic of details but for me it was such a huge one that I overlooked was like what are the people like what's my team like um, what's the culture of the the school the university and ultimately the state is a big factor too Florida is an interesting state <laughs> and yeah it didn't They're good at ex up importing me. exporting apparently ay, 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 let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> i was like there's like a saying that's like america is to the world um or florida is to america what america is to the rest of the world like it's just that sort of a place and look there's some great people in florida don't get me wrong i met some incredible people there um people that i will know and love for the rest of my life but as a whole, just it wasn't a good fit. And that's truly what um, what drew me back into the field of um, recruitment. I mean, obviously, I wanted to get into the field of education, because I think ensuring that, you know, all of our children um, all around the world have like equal access to education for me is a huge one. 
Um, but for me, it was giving opportunity to athletes in particular who otherwise might not be able to have the sort of education opportunities, um, you know, if they weren't um, getting or leveraging their sport to help them get there. That was a big motivator, but it was looking at how flawed the collegiate recruitment industry is and saying, okay, well, I'm going to build a business um, and I'm going to build a business model around doing this the right way. So that's why I'm here and that's why I'm doing what I do with the company that I am at right now at Crimson. Um, it's because, yeah, I wanted to basically set up a, a pathway that was going to stop student athletes, especially from New Zealand, but I work with student athletes all across the world from making those fundamental mistakes that I did. Mm. Wow, what a journey, eh? I know, tell me about it. <laughs> so, so that was the stereotypical thing that you would see in the movies from the outside, you know, you're doing well, mm -hmm. killing it on the sporting and, yeah. uh, you know, field and then the ac academic side was taken care of, top grades, but you, you weren't fulfilled. And, um, Not at all, yeah. It's great that you took the initiative to do something about it and, you know, you did your own searching and, and figured out, you know, what, what was missing for you, eh? And, yeah. and that's sort of what you're doing now, the uh, Crimson, what is it, uh, Athletic? Yeah, so we're um, Crimson Education. It's essentially, it's a, it's a Kiwi startup, believe it or not, um, but now we're, we're global. And for me, um, I was brought on board or headhunted by our CEO and co-founder, Jamie. And I mean, what's been set up has been quite remarkable in that, you know, we're not just supporting students from all across the world and gaining admission to top universities, but we're helping them build out, I guess, their overall candidacy and helping them become just good quality human beings and students. And um, yeah, so I lead, I lead uh, our athletics department. So for me, um, we've got offices in over 25 different countries worldwide. So I kind of get to hop around to our different offices and speak about this pathway. And yeah, I oversee uh, a global team and support athletes from all across the world and, and heading over to the US. Mm, very, very cool. Um, you're talking about the thing that was missing. Can you d just explain that maybe in a more of a simpler um uh, simpler terms, maybe, you know, <laughs> <laughs> for others, for break others, not down. me, but no, no, you break it down, down like, like what that, um, I sort of get what you mean, but not really, not really. Yeah. If you could break that yeah, down. I think, um, the big key thing that everybody overlooks outside of athletic fit, um, and alongside academic fit is the personal fit. So a lot of the work that we do and we focus on here is identifying what you want out of the experience beyond the classroom or beyond the football field or whatever sport you're playing. So there's a lot of research that goes into looking at different school options, but I guess further to that, there's a lot of work that is done, I guess, looking internally and introspectively at who you are and, and what, you know, brings you joy in life, the sorts of people that you want to be around and associate with what your passions are. You know, a lot of different US universities, they've all got their own culture and identity. So you want to be at a university where that's aligned because mm. um, if you don't, you know, you, found, you find yourself as a bit of an outlier and um, it can be pretty hard to acclimatize and adjust to that new environment, that new space. Cause you've got to remember, you're like moving to the other side of the world. You don't know anybody. You're in a completely new country um, and you're adjusting to a new way of life, basically. So 
if there aren't some similarities between the two, um, then you're going to find yourself not in a desirable situation as I wasn't. So it's not, there's no perfect, I guess, pathway. There's no perfect um, one size fits all approach. It's really just about working with each particular student and trying to best figure out what the, what the ultimately best fit universities will be for them. Mm, oh, nice, nice. Yeah, thanks for breaking it down there. Yeah. So just having everything aligned and... Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of the longer game, eh? Because you could probably get, oh, yeah. get by through, like, the sports and the academics. Mm -hmm. But at the end of it, you could be leaving a little bit unfulfilled. But, you know, with your process that you guys have got in place, you will leave, like, with something else that you're excited about and, yeah. and passionate yeah, about. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's oh, what we set out to achieve every day. So, um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a pretty rewarding role, I must say. And um, I've enjoyed it. I think I've been here for four years now. So um, it's been a bit of a wee while in the role, figuring out how to continuously, you know, look to improve this industry. Mm. And then when I was looking at uh, like research and, and, you know, your journey to going to Florida, you were pretty intentional with your, your subjects, you know, it was business, was it management? Mm -hmm. Yeah. accounting and um you know entrepreneurship so that you, you pretty much had a good idea of what you wanted to do mm. going over there and studying yeah no i did i always knew i think from a very young age I, because i was so self-sufficient that uh i wanted for as much as i was okay probably working for someone else i knew that i wanted to create and i wanted to be accountable to to, to myself at the end of the day and most people that are kind of that way inclined end up starting some sort of a business at some point in their life. So when I was over there, I realized not only was I not happy, I wanted to, or I could see myself doing something different. And for me, that was starting my first business. And it would kind of keep me sane for the back half of my first year. And ultimately I got to the end of that first year of college and I was like, yep, look, can I transfer based off of my grades and based off of how well I've done on the field? Sure. Like I can go to another school that's a better fit and like, I'll be fine. And a lot of kids that find themselves first year uni where the college doesn't really work out. That's of course what they do. But I think I got to that point and I was, yeah, I was so disenfranchised by that, that experience that I'd had, but that wasn't enough to like, I guess, stand alone for me to not transfer. The big reason as to why I came back and walked away was I just at that point had so much self-confidence and self-belief and like, I can launch this business and like, I'm just going to go for it. Like bugger it. Like I, and people that still to this day, like dumbfounds a lot of people that know my story when they first hear about it is like, you had a full scholarship, everything was covered, like you could have gone pretty much anywhere in the US and you walked away from an opportunity that a lot of kids, you know, would kill for. And like, I certainly acknowledge that I recognize that, but I just think in my mind and truly like in my heart at that point, I was like, I'm going to do this. Like I know who I am and I know I'm going to be successful no matter what I do. And this is what I want to do for right now. So just go and do it. Like, you may as well. And fortunately it worked out, which is great. Um, but I think even if it didn't, I'm just the sort of person that like I would go on and do something different and try and be successful in that. Mm. It's always been a, it seems like it's always been an innate thing, eh? like um, something that's within you. Um, yeah. Just, just yeah. Drive and... It is. Yeah. I just, I just always had that drive about me and I think I'm pretty 
I'm pretty fortunate for that. And without a doubt, I think a lot of my life experiences, um, albeit, you know, they weren't good experiences, but they kind of, I guess, continued to push me to elevate. And I think sometimes despite of the things that happened to me in my life, like I always harnessed that and tried to become better for it or better off. Um, which isn't a very easy thing to do, but I think it's one of the things that I've done really well and I can be really proud of myself um, about, you know, knowing that, yeah, I just always took those experiences um, and kind of just compounded them to who I already naturally was, which was somebody that was really self-driven, self-aware, um, and I guess unafraid, like unapologetically unafraid to just be who I am and to just go for it. Mm. yeah it's interesting because i've always i've been born i feel like there's something in me as well but you know speaking to friends and family and they're like oh, i'm not sure what i want to do it's just interesting how mm. we're all we're all made so differently you know um some just sort of go off the flow some are like uh, you know goals written all over their walls and you know <laughs> how different yeah. we all are eh, in terms of i uh, love that though like i that is the best part of being a human being is knowing that we're not all born to be one size fits all. Like we're not born to be, you know, cookie cutter spitting image of one another. And like when people ask me about like my life and who I am, and I guess in some way want to not relate to that, but be that in, in, in some ways, I always kind of flip it back on them and be like all you need to do is and I hate to say it but like be the best version of you like that's why you were born an individual that's why we were all born individual unique and different it's like you're just supposed to be you like as long as you're a good version and the best you're aiming to be the best version of yourself that's all that matters like you can pull inspiration from other people and that's great and that's you know as long as that's positive that's a good thing but yeah, I love that. I love that about humanity, like that we are all different and that should be celebrated because it's so beautiful. Yeah, it's a really good point about being the best version of ourselves. Um, it's usually like the comparison thing, eh? like we see someone uh, mm. in person or online and we're like, I want to be that. But it's, it's maybe like you said with the schooling, it's not aligned with your values, you know, and your purpose and stuff, but it just looks cool. But you know, doing something else is probably more in line, you know, maybe it's not as exciting or look as appealing, but maybe we were called to, you know, something else that's yeah. maybe not as seen or quiet, you know? Um, yeah. I'm, I'm always super conscious of that, especially with like the, the platform that I do have. Um, when I'm online, I do always, it's always in the back of my mind of like how are especially young people going to perceive this and it's, it's something that I struggle with. I still struggle with so much because I'm, I'm so free in like expressing myself with, you know, pretty much anybody who's around me in real life every single day. But I struggle with like how I convey that online because I'm such a private person and I hate that. Like I want to share more, but it is tough for me. And I kind of have to, I guess, toy with the, the, the fact that like, I know people might look at like my social presence and think I'm one person, but I'm trying to get better at, I guess, sharing more of me, myself and my actual life where 
they know that it's not all nice and shiny. And I mean, I'm fairly active on social media anyway. I think like, I get hounded all the time <laughs> by yeah. my by my agent. Like, why don't you post? Like, you should post more. Like, you need to post more. That's what everybody does. Like, when they've got a, a presence online. And I'm like, A, I cannot be bothered. B, I do not have the time. <laughs> C, I just don't have, I don't have the interest in it. Like, I think I post maybe like once every couple of months, which is like horrific for for that kind of world but I don't know it's it's hard but I always am really mindful of like what I convey and I try to as best as I can show that my life even though I'm going to different countries and stuff it's not glamorous like I have real world problems like I'm messy as hell like my life is messy <laughs> believe you me like I've got my own problems and issues and I'm just like everybody else like yeah, it can seem cool and everyone's life online can seem great. But the reality is, is, as we all know, that nobody's life is perfect and I'm no different. Yeah, no, I really like that. Eh? We, all, we all go through similar struggles and, and whatnot. Yeah. And, and, you know, the entrepreneur thing is is pretty big at the moment. And, you know, you, you've known from a young age you wanted to pursue that path. And uh, going back to people seeing that online, um, you know, I've, I've – you know, tried to do business and stuff. But I heard something recently that I thought was really cool was like about um, like sequencing and and um, like maybe I'm a better number two or three. Uh, ah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Because um, I, ha- I, ha- I've done, I haven't done as well as I wanted to. Be honest, you know? um, so <laughs> it's like, not easy. <laughs> yeah, so um, hearing that, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, I don't know, maybe I am. Maybe I'm, it's... Um, you know, pulling out a bit early, but maybe I am not supposed to be, you know, maybe I'm supposed to be a part of someone else's great vision and, and support them mm-hmm. and their vision that I believe and buy in. And I don't know, I'm figuring it out, but I've always felt that I wanted to do something my own way, but it was just a, a good question for myself to ponder whether I was maybe better off being a part of someone else's plan. Um, but I'm not sure yet, but I mean, just in terms of the entrepreneurship, I think people maybe see you and like, you're traveling the world, looks glamorous, but you mentioned it's, and maybe it's not you got the same problems and issues that everyone else goes mm. through and i want to be an entrepreneur but maybe they maybe some are called to do that and maybe some are like my i'm mentioning maybe you're meant to be working for tessa or working for someone else that in a vision that they believe yeah. in you know yeah this, so they're all true. just you know that could be just as fulfilling um mm. you know it would probably be more fulfilling you know trying to find that right spot whether you're all yeah it's just that I love that I love that and I love that you've brought that up um it's just self-awareness isn't it Mm. and again just the being really self-aware of like what's the best thing for you but I guess further to that is being confident enough um to to actually live that truth right like again on paper you should be the entrepreneur and you should be the you know you should be the whatever it is like in whatever field you're you're involved in like you the goal should be to be the number one the goal isn't to be the number one mm. the goal is to and it should never be to be the number one of whatever it is that you're doing it's to to be i guess the number one in your own eyes or the yeah. number one of your own story because you're right that's what is truly fulfilling is like getting yourself in a position where you will find um, that true happiness and an overall kind of sense of fulfillment in what you're doing. Yeah. That's no, really well said because I was doing, um, you know, running, running a gym with my family and I was waking up 
you know, pretty excited every day and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, I wasn't making the money that I wanted and stuff, but it was still quite fulfilling. And then, but, you know, me, friends and family that are making a lot more money than me, um, like you're saying, they weren't happy. You know, somewhere mm -hmm. I'm just saying a gen generalization, more were not happy. And they were happy to yep. come to the gym. And, and um, no, it's just an interesting thing. Eh? Like, um, I guess for me, it's trying to find that, sweet spot of making the money and being fulfilled <laughs> not just being fulfilled and uh and struggling to get by trying to do, yeah. do both eh? yeah. but you can, oh. oh sorry no i was gonna say i'll tell you for free money doesn't solve a single thing right, I, think right, right. I thought like like just with with things that have happened in like my past and the voids naturally that like i wanted to fill to kind of I guess more than anything, like soften the scars that, that I had, like I thought, okay, well, success will be the, the thing that kind of tops up that void or money's going to be the thing that tops up that void. And all money really does to a certain extent is give you it's a little bit more freedom. And I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate that like I have that freedom to, to do the things that I want now, but God, it is, it's, you get to a certain point and I think there's some stat, I forget what it is. Like every dollar you make over like, I think it's like $60,000 doesn't make you any, any happier. Yeah, and like yeah, they did I'm... studies or whatever on it. And it, that just blew my mind. But I knew like, as soon as I read that, I was like, that is a hundred percent true. Like you could look at my life. You could look at anybody's life. Who's, who's kind of been fortunate enough to be successful and have like that financial security. But Oh my God. Like I wish it brought you happiness, but it certainly <laughs> does not like happiness comes from like within and whatever actually kind of brings you joy. And yeah, money doesn't solve that. That's for sure. I learned that the hard way. <laughs> that, yeah, I've read that as well. Is it, I think it's Dunbar's. I think, is that right? Or it yeah, might I be, yeah, I forget where I read it too, but yeah. it, when I read it, it hit me like a ton of bricks. That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I, th I think it was awesome. The um, it was saying, yeah, like um, what you saying, uh, like once you can pay for your health, you know, go for a few holidays, yeah. Yeah. have your, you know, your your job and house and car. Beyond that, having more money doesn't mean anything. And I was like, exactly. man, it was a really good point. It was a really good point. Because really there's always what's next, right? Like yeah. you you get something and it feels good, and you get like a a rush from that. You think, oh great, I just got a new car, or. I just bought a better house or I went on a nicer holiday or I bought better jewelry, whatever it is. And it's never enough. Like at every single time you do it, like the gratification becomes smaller and smaller. And right, so you right. keep trying to fill that void and top up, but the, the bar just gets higher and you feel less because of it. So it really tr truly comes back to like, I guess the ultimate kind of purpose of life. And it's just, you have to be happy within yourself and yeah. with the people around you and the things that you do, because that superficial stuff, it comes and goes and further to that, like there's no amount of stuff that you can accumulate. There's a no, no amount of money that you can make that's going to, um, you know, leave you better off or make yeah. you feel better for it. Yeah. I just want to test it, you know. <laughs> Universe test me, you know, it. give me the money so I <laughs> find you'll out it doesn't make me happy. <laughs> you'll be forever jaded. Like I feel like it's worse. Sometimes I'm like that. I'm like I, that maybe that's a really privileged position, and I know it is a very privileged position, actually. But like, holy shit, like it takes the whole 
that allure that you have for like wanting to get to that pinnacle, right? And not that I've reached a pinnacle, like a true pinnacle or whatever, but like you get there and then you're like, oh Jesus, like it's not what you thought it was. And then it forever jades you. So like <laughs> just find whatever your pinnacle is and yeah, be yeah. like cool and happy with that. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> um, I read that thing, uh, Jim Carrey, he said pretty much similar to what you were just alluding to, like, I wish everybody could be rich and famous so they can, I, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing it, you know, so they can yeah. see it's not all it's made out to be. There you go. There you know, you go. but, but I'm like, ah, oh, I still want to. I know it's alluring yeah. to everyone, but that's society, yeah. right? Society's yeah. like made us conform to thinking like if you're rich and you're successful and you're, you know, you're, you're pretty, like all of these things, like, Oh, if you, if you're all of these things or you're one of these things or two of these things, like, that's what's going to make you happy. Yeah, and yeah. it couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah. yeah. Nice. That is interesting insight. Um, talking about how it leaves you more jaded. Um, oh, it does. The, the, yeah. Side effects. <laughs> side effects. Yeah. Um, you got your hands in everything. When I um, looked up <laughs> your name, you got, uh, looked up your website and um, yeah, you, you've, uh, was it Mahurangi Action, Mahurangi mm -hmm. Coastal Trail, Merchandise yeah. Collective. <laughs> Um, you're into politics, you're, on the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're into politics, eh? You're in the Auckland Council, uh, for I a know. Yeah. yeah. What, what does that yeah. mean? What's the Auckland Council? Like, I hear that term, but what are they? What, what do they do? Yeah. Yeah. What do you actually do? <laughs> um, it's, it's really cool. I mean, being an elected member was one of the most rewarding experiences and challenging experiences of my life so far. I think. I was drawn to it because as you can see with, you know, Maharangi Action and um, being involved um, as the chair of the Coastal Trail, like I was always heavily involved in community and community and kind of giving back and being of service is what drew me to politics. And look, I mean, it is, it's a system, right? It's a, to, I guess for the better word of a term, it's a pretty archaic system. And I knew that like when I, when I stood, that I wanted to bring about positive change and I just wanted to do it in a way that was like really disruptive. So I didn't care. I was like, if I don't get reelected, like I don't, I really do not care. Like I'm not in this to be a career politician. And that's the reason why I walked away after one term. Like I could have probably, you know, quite comfortably got reelected based off of the work that I did, etc. But um I just knew like I wanted to, if I was going to do that, I needed to do it well and I needed to do it in a way where, yep, I could make that change and then kind of move on and do something different. Um, and I think I did that. Like, I'm really proud of the work that I did. I mean, in Rodney, we, we didn't even have public transport. Um, like we weren't, we're the most Northern ward of the, the super city, but like we didn't even have buses to walk with for God's sake. So um, one of the really big things that um, that we brought in and we advanced um, connecting the public transport network up and building out a public transport network across the west. So Helensville, Kumu, Huapai, all the way up to Walkworth and even Wellsford. We advanced that timeline by over 10 years. So oh, yeah. Auckland Council and Auckland Transport, Transport rather weren't going to do that. So we built, put all those buses in, connected all those transport links up and we're building park and rides. Um, so yeah, just, just doing things differently. And um, yeah, I'm pretty chuffed with some of the work that I did, but I was also smart enough to know that, okay, it was a pretty exhausting three years. Like it takes a bit out mm. of you. Um, 
and I just knew like at that point that if I wanted to do the role justice I couldn't again at that point in my life with everything else that was going on so yeah I was I guess self-aware enough to to walk away and will I come back to it <laughs> probably at some point but right. I'll come back to it when I know that again I can be really confident that if I got elected I would do a really good job mm. oh interesting oh so you don't just um have coffees and uh Walk. No, I mean some people in there do. Don't get me wrong. I saw firsthand. Oh, it would um, it would shock you some of the stuff that I saw, um, and that many politicians kind of see day in and day out. But yeah, you can get elected and you can sit on your hands and basically kind of like clip the ticket. Um, it it happens. I've seen it happen firsthand and. Like it's shameful, but that's why voting is very important mm. and mm. everybody should vote and everybody should be as like as informed as they possibly can before they cast their vote. Because mm. you put these people in office, you put these people in a position of power and they're there to represent you. Um, so you should be having a say in who those people are and you should be educating yourself so you know that you're putting the right people there. Mm. Mm. Uh, good point. Um, you said it was exhausting. Was that because of like a lot of the red tape and was it was it yeah quite the lengthy? classic the red tape? <laughs> yeah, there is there's so there's a lot of red tape, but you kind of just have to understand like due process and how everything works. Be okay with that. Push the boundaries where you can, but more than anything, like know your scope of like what's possible. And then just leverage the system to make it work for you as best as you can. Um, I think the challenging part was, um, like, yeah, it was red tape to a certain extent, but I think the challenging part was trying to get aligned with everybody else around the table because, yep, there are people that don't show up and do the work that they should do. There are people that no matter how much you educate them, um, and you try and inform them, um, you know, don't come to the to the table. But, I, you know, although it was challenging, I also found that part of it the most rewarding because, um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's quite a unique thing to be able to be in a position where you're having those negotiations, deliberations and discussions and then trying to find common ground with other people. I think probably perhaps that's why, um, you know, we're falling so short um, in terms of it a global community and a global society at this point is everybody's so divided because we're so steadfast in our own opinions um, and, and our own beliefs, but we need to find that commonality and that common ground if we want to kind of work towards a better future. And mm. I've always kind of had that mentality of like, I can reach to the left, I can reach to the right, like I can work with anybody, I'll listen to anybody. So the hope is that, yeah, we can find that, that commonality um, and we can find that common ground and we can move forward together. Mm. Oh, that's good. Yeah, you're right. We all have different beliefs and, um, you know, ways of viewing the world. Um, is, it, is it the stereotypical thing? Is all like some old dudes up there, like um, <laughs> clogging it up or what? I, I don't know. I don't know. That's what, um, yeah, I keep, that's what I the thought is, get, I guess. Yeah, I always get grilled for this, um, but I, I always go back to pale, stale and male. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you said it. Oh, I don't want to say it, but you said <laughs> I said it. I think I said it when I was like on the campaign trail and people were like, ooh, like she yeah. really went there. And I was like, I went there because it's factual. Like we need yeah. better representation. Like I got grilled for being 
young. I got grilled for like not having life experience. I got grilled for, you know, the way that I, you know, marketed myself and my campaign. Like people will come at you for anything. And I was like, no, like I, we need younger people in politics. Like you say, I don't have life experience. I say that you're out of touch and you're out of date because you're 65 and you don't understand anybody under the age of 50. Like the reality is, is like as a society, are we all over the age of 60? Are we all, you know, European? Are we all, you know, one religious belief? Are we all whatever, right? Like of, you know, the same socioeconomic background? No. We're all different. We all have different um, things that make us unique, like I was saying earlier. And we need as many people and as many voices and faces that represent all different parts of our community and our society to be the, the truest, most accurate voice. Like it's not rocket science. It's just like get as many different people as you can around the table, different voices. Um, and as long as they're capable, that's all that matters. Like as long as you're capable and you can. Um, do a good job like it should be the most representative voice possible so I said mm. bugger it like I'm running I don't care that I'm 21 like I'm running I know I'm going to do a good job um, and yeah I was kind of uh, fortunately I got in and I think it was very rewarding to get in with like the most votes because yeah. <laughs> I was in a really conservative I mean Rodney's very conservative um, you know it's a it's a blue ward um, for sure but um, yeah I just thought like yeah, that that was really rewarding getting in and going, ha, <laughs> I did cool. things really differently and I'm young and look what I went and did. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, and and so the the stereotype is really true, eh? <laughs> oh, 100%. 100%. Um, there's not enough women, there's not a lot of, there's not enough diversity and it needs to be better. For, for the most part, we all know it needs to be better. Um, but a huge thing for me is like now trying to empower the next generation of leaders um, to, to despite, you know, who they are and what they think is kind of um, something that might hold them back a lot of them, that actually that's your strength, play to it. And like everybody like pretty much deserves a seat around that table. Um, so if you want it, take it because no one's going to give it to you. Just go out and take it. Mm. Politics. So <laughs> I, um, I've got two daughters and, uh, you know, obviously everyone's been watching a little bit, hearing a little bit. Yep. And I'm like, uh, man, it would be good to get, that's a good career path for my daughter. Because I see people like voting and that, which is awesome. But I was like, mm -hmm. if we can improve the the people that we're voting for as well, mm -hmm. like, um, <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> that could be a good uh, career path for our daughters. And then my wife was like, nah, it's a dirty business. Like, it's not a, it's not a good environment to be in. Um, yeah, what's your take on that? You know, obviously from being in there, um, what would you recommend, you know, any insights on that? I think you have to, in terms of a career path, I wouldn't recommend it for anybody. Um, <laughs> I think I, I kind of reject wholeheartedly the idea of being a career politician. I think you can want to affect positive change and you can want to um, improve community, but there's so many different ways that you can do that. And it's not to say that you can't, you know, get into politics and do a, a good job over a long period of time, that's fine. But I think it's always about having, yeah, again, those different voices and being able to contribute in the most effective way. Um, but yeah, I would be lying if I didn't say that it was very difficult. Um, 
the the toll it takes on you like personally is quite high um i you know obviously know that firsthand so it's not for the faint-hearted um you have to have a very 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 thick skin um which again is is not something that as human beings we're designed to to have um but you deal with a lot of ridicule you deal with um a lot of you know people kind of forming their own opinions on you and countering literally everything you say um, or every action that you make. So it's not, yeah, it's not for the faint hearted, but I think if you can get over that hurdle and it's truly something that you want to do, um, I think it can be very rewarding. It's tough, but it is very, very rewarding. But I always say like, it's not about getting into politics per se. I think if you want to do that, you need to figure out like who you are and what drives you and what your key motivators are first. And I think doing that locally, like for me, I was, like I was saying before, I was involved in bringing about like positive change in my local community since I was like 13, I think. I was, I was like, I started a, um, a campaign to get the weirs in Walkworth in the Mahurangi River um, uh, essentially to, to, to get or put in provisions for Inanga to get up the river, to, to migrate up the river so they could spawn. Because these old weirs from yonks ago, definitely pre my time, um, were like stopping them from being able to migrate up. Mm. And I was like, well, it's an issue. It's a problem. Like, why are we not doing anything about it? Um, so we went about and I got a whole like catch and release program set up that the council adopted we put in um, like ramps for Inanga so they could naturally get up and traverse the weir, uh, which was cool. So like I was doing all that stuff. I was into Maharangi Action and leading that, which is a 40 plus year old environmental organization. I was doing a lot of stuff locally and that's what spurred me on to get into politics because I was like, brilliant. Like now I've got an idea as to some of the good work that needs to be done. I'm going to take this to the next level rather than just being like, great. Like I would love to make big decisions for other people and for community. Like I'm just going to rock up, get elected and kind of see how that goes. I think you do need a bit of experience um, in whatever kind of thing that, you know, um, drives you so that you can bring those expertise to the table. But I think there's the most important thing is there's no, there should be no age cap on that. You know, I was 21, but I was more experienced than pretty much like 80% of the people that ran for council for, in Rodney when I did. Um, and age had absolutely nothing to do with it. I was just, you know, I went and did a lot in a short amount of time. So yeah, definitely, you know, I won't discourage people from going down that pathway, but it's got to be right for you. It's got to feel right for you. And you've got to be able to I guess, tolerate with everything that comes with, with being a politician. Thanks for the insights there. That was, that was really cool. Um, I don't know many um, politicians personally, so it's, mm. you know, you don't really get to ask, you yeah. know, these, these type of questions. So, the no, tough thanks. questions. <laughs> yeah, thanks for sharing. Because I was like, man, what do, um, you know, we said, uh, what do council do? politicians like, they just have meetings every day or i don't know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you just I mean, take some meetings and then you just make some votes and then yeah. you just uh make some speeches and then you're done yeah, yeah. stuff like that, I was like, is that, is that it? <laughs> yeah. um, it's a little bit more than that i promise yeah, you yeah yeah um so something we we talked about before you you got your hands in different things what what's some of the other projects you got going on at um at the moment oh yeah um 
right now um, we're overseeing um, and I'm helping lead a, a university research program at the University of Auckland. Um, we've got a lot of sedimentation issues in all of our waterways pretty much in New Zealand and certainly in um, our harbours and one of the things that we've set up as a research program. It's a $3 million research program um, focused on green lip mussels. And it's really neat because they're like a natural filter. So if you can build these like muscle beds and you can do it, the, the tough part is it costs a lot of money to do, a, do it successfully. So we're trying to figure out ways that we can build out these muscle beds, but do it um, in, a, in a cost effective, realistic way. Um, so that you know we can look at natural ways in which we can reduce those sedimentation levels. So that's a pretty cool thing I'm doing. Um, and another really cool thing that I'm doing as well is uh, the coastal trail, which is um, going to probably be all up about a $2 million um, project that links three uh, regional parks, which is the first of its kind in New Zealand. Um, and we're looking at not just doing like footbridges to connect, but we're also looking at um, barge options as well so putting in like chain ferries so it'll, yeah it's a pretty neat project it's going to be a bridal way walkway cycleway so that we can open up these incredible regional parks link them and just generally encourage people to kind of get out and about and explore um, our beautiful regional parkland that we've got here in Auckland. Mm. Plenty going on eh? Um, oh, a few things. <laughs> uh, how much do you sleep? How much do you sleep? Oh my God, my Nana is always on my cake. I do not sleep enough. I know that I'm actually like, I'm a horrific sleeper. I've never, I don't think I've slept through the night since I was about like 17, which I know is really bad. And my Nana is on my case rightfully so for a good reason. Um, I probably get like six hours a night. Um, yeah. But the quality sleep is the most important thing. I know I don't, I know I need more hours than that. And some days I do, but um, it's about quality sleep. And that's where I really suck. I like wake up, like my mind just doesn't shut off. That's my problem is I'm always thinking about something, whether it's like overanalyzing something or yeah. thinking about a project, I can never shut the blooming brain off. So I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to do different things now that kind of wind me down switch my brain off and like calm me down before I sleep. Cause I usually wake up like 10 times a night, which well, just with sucks. I with ideas and stuff or? Ideas, um, again, overthinking things. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a, such a, like a human response. You know, when you like get into bed and you're like, ah, oh, should have said that, should have done that. Like should have told this person that, that I've wanted to be, you know, wanted to tell them this, whatever it is for however long. Um, yeah, well, I'm, <laughs> Solve all the world human. problems. And right. that too. Like, and then yeah. just the weight of like humanity, <laughs> everything yeah. from like really trivial things right through to like the biggest problems. It's a tough burden to carry. Uh, it oh, seems. Uh, um, I know. Have you heard of the uh, five minute journal? The... I have. Yeah. I have. Is you that like a gratitude journal? Yeah. So you do uh, three things you're grateful for each morning. Uh, three things you want to get done and then like uh, affirmation for the day. That's the morning. And then the night one is like three, like awesome things that happened during the day. And then something that, that, something that you, um, you learned. Or you I could do so better. need that. 
I, so, I mean, it's just pretty much what you were just talking about, but it's mm. good because once you get it down, you can sort of mm. rest at ease and then you can mm -hmm. reflect that, um, reflect back on it if you need to. Like, oh, what was that thing I was thinking about? You mm -hmm. can go back and, um, yeah, it's five minute journal. Totally. It's pretty good. I, okay, I, I, I definitely need to do that because I've been trying to, I'm, I'm, I think it surprises people, but I'm quite a creative person. And like one of the things is just that, like I've been trying to write more yeah. um like just just generally write more um like poetry as well like i've been dabbling in that for the last few years but it's just that right like trying to get out of your own head and like put it down on the page so you can kind of let go of it yeah, um, that's one, yeah. it's like so cathartic um but that would be really cool because it's like really purposeful and like intentful too i like that yeah this is uh i just use a normal journal now because yeah. I remember all the questions, so I don't have to buy the book. <laughs> yeah. so you probably just I'm buy one. I'm going to buy the book. I'm going to buy the book. Yeah, buy the book just so you get the gist of it. And yeah. then, because um, in the, the first few, like the start of the book, it, it has the research and the science behind why each um, thing is there. So yeah. it's backed by science as well in terms of like gratitude, what it does for you. I love that. Uh, setting affirmation. So they're all like uh, very intentional in, in terms of what each question or activity is for. It's really good. But then yeah. after that, you won't need it. Or oh, I don't. Anyway, I just use yeah. it because I remember the question. Save your coins. Save your yeah, coins. Yeah, yeah. Get, and, all, get yeah. a, <laughs> a $2 book and I'm good. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, just hijack their idea and then, um, <laughs> yeah. and then just leverage it. Yeah, I love it. Thanks, Tim Ferriss. Um, Thank you, Tim. <laughs> uh, what's the, uh, so you, and you're sponsored by Adidas as well. You do a bit of um, modeling and things like that. Yeah, I get I get absolutely accosted by my <laughs> and rightfully so, like from my family and friends for all that sort of stuff. But um, no, nah, it's it's been good. Like I think there's a lot of opportunity and um, not just sport, but you know, and and having a platform, you know, having the platform rather that I've got. And um, yeah, I'm just very grateful for those opportunities. I mean, there it does push me out of my comfort zone sometimes. Um, like having to do that sort of stuff because I'm, believe it or not, like really low key and like, yeah. Um, and yeah, but it's, it's fun. I enjoy it. I make the most of it, but um, yeah, it's, it's not, again, it's not my life day in and day out. So I, I have fun with it. And then I go back to just being, you know, normal, a normal yeah. human being, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And um, you did some like uh, merchandise stuff. Is that yeah. The Auckland, yeah. Auckland um, brand type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Did it, that's that was the the first business that I started, which was um, back in in college and getting that merchandising stuff up and running. Um, and that's cool too because that played to my creative side, which I like. And I mean, we're still doing it, um, and we're still we're still producing. But um, I think I do miss like kind of being more actively involved in it because again, it's that creativity it's been able to kind of pull ideas out and just like run with them and be like let's just let's just try this let's just run it and see what happens and I think there's something so nice about like the spontaneity of cre creativity um but yeah I think like I don't know hopefully I can continue to 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 do stuff like that as I move forward because you know you kind of get caught into um such like a, a a formalized space in politics and in business that you don't necessarily get when you're involved in like the the creative art side of things. So 
yeah, I think naturally I'll probably move back into that space at some point. But yeah, I really thrived and, and enjoyed my time when I was more hands-on doing that mm. sort of stuff. Yeah, because when I saw some of um, your merchandise, I thought it was really cool because me and my wife talk about how there's not really like a good Auckland brand. Um, mm -hmm. And um, like, because I, I sort of picked up when I went to the States a few times, like everyone represents their state um, yeah. or their town. And I'm like, in New Zealand, like we're wearing like LA, New York and like places uh, that we've never been to or, you know, it's not our home. Like I'm like, yeah, I've seen some Auckland stuff, but it's quite, it's not quite like, um, it's gauche. Eh? It's so disgusting. Yeah, I mean, and that so, was like, for me, I just was like, I'd never wear that in a million yeah. years. Yeah. So yeah, I really liked your stuff. And I was like, man, that, that'd be cool. Cause so we can like rip our own, like where we're from, you know, where um, I'll get a hoodie to you. I'll get some yeah. hoodies. I'll, 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 I'll put them in the post. I'll get them yeah. out to you. Yeah. I mean, it's cool. It's dope. And it's like, just to rip our own hometown, you know, like that type of yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, and it's fashion forward stuff, you know, like it's got to be fashionable, it's got to be wearable, it's got to uh, be durable, um, but you shouldn't have to like pick one of those or two of those things, right? Like you should be able to get stuff that that ticks all the boxes. Um, and yeah, that's what I kind of set out to do is just create something that was like top notch all around. Yeah, no, I really like that. It's really good stuff. All right, we'll come down and find a few questions. Um, greatest lesson your mum and dad's taught you? Oh. I've got a couple, I've got a couple, um, but probably the most important one is um, something that I was, I was told quite young. Um, and I think it was born off the fact that again, like I put so much pressure on myself to achieve. Like I never had pre like parental pressure or I never, I never had anybody who was like kind of the key driver in me doing the things that I was doing. Um, and so at back in the day i was told um, by my parents that everything will be okay in the end if it's not okay it's not the end mm. and that for me just gave me so much peace in the moment um because i was i'm always kind of looking ahead but it really grounded me and like brought me back to the present of like whatever you're going through now whatever you're experiencing it's it's it'll pass, you know, like it's, that's just this moment. Um, but you know, tomorrow's a new day. There is always another day and you can kind of go forward from there and, um, you can let, you know, whatever it is that's, that's hurting you or causing you stress or, or discomfort, like you can move past that. So, um, yeah, I, I, I've always loved that. And I still, you know, I'm constantly having to remind myself when, you know, things aren't really going my way or I don't really feel my best that, um, yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow's a new day. Mm, okay. Uh, a book that's had a profound impact on your life. Then maybe you go back Again, to it. So many, um, actually you, one know, something recent, that, yeah. Yeah. One recently to. that I read, um, was untamed by Glennon Doyle. And as a woman, it was truly such a profound and liberating read. I think one of my key takeaways uh, from, from her stories was how you're like solely responsible for your own joy. And mm. like, it, again, it seems so simple, but it's so hard to live that as like your own truth. And I think, yeah, one of my biggest hurdles in life um, 
and and things that I'm always like consistently trying to work towards is being happy and grateful and content and like owning my own happiness because I think that yeah like even saying before like about having these big voids in my life and like having these and carrying these like emotional and like scars from from my childhood was like okay well I'm I need to pull this into my life or I need to get this or I need to get this success and that's going to bring me that ultimate happiness and that's going to bring me joy and it doesn't so for me yeah that hit me that hit me like a ton of bricks when I when I read this book and was reading her stories and and truly realizing that like nobody else is responsible for that I'm responsible for that and like it's my choice to 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 wake up and and find that happiness and um, fulfillment in every single day because happiness is not an end goal right like we're we're made to believe like that you'll be happy but like happiness is it's it's like an everyday choice um and I think it's like something that you consistently have to like wake up and just accept like you should be happy or try to be happy like every single day it's it's not something that yeah it's not some like crazy end goal mm, no, I like that that sounds cool um I um I re- this guy Ty Lopez he talks about um I guess we all search for a little bit you know that happiness fulfillment thing and yeah he talks about the four pillars I guess there's other people that have their own ways of finding happiness or their compass towards it mm-hmm. but one of his things was he has like four parts i sort of try to adopt it mm-hmm. um also i'm uh you know have faith as, as well but what one of his four things was four pillars was like health wealth love and fulfillment and mm-hmm. so like wow. yeah trying to trying to hit like each one of those and so like your health so i try to work out each day love so you know hang out with my family my wife my kids uh, wealth, you know, so you're working towards something, um, uh, fulfillment, you know, your purpose, like, like you're saying, look about your job, you know, making sure whatever we're doing each day is fulfilling or, or there's a purpose towards it. So not like one of those, like if I dive too much into my health, you yeah. know, missing out on those other aspects, so health, wealth, yeah. love and fulfillment. That's what I try to, um, try to hit those aspects. And he talks about like, um, like shopping which was pretty cool like a little bit of shopping is good but you know because you get you know you feel good but too much mm-hmm. of it is bad you know it's just i was like oh yeah, yeah. so here are some really good um tips that's helped me out um that's and incredible just the four the four pillars that um uh, i learned from him and then also another thing was like i feel like a, one of the gifts of mine i think uh this would be a good uh little thing is that uh, me and my, my siblings, we, did, we didn't come from much, but not like, because I work with like immigrants now, like in Esau, mm-hmm. so they're like a lot, they come from a lot harder background than me, but coming from Australia and New Zealand, it was probably like more, the, you know, one of the poorer kids. And so mm-hmm. like now, like I'm super grateful for like everything I have. Mm-hmm. And then like, I was just those like people who might've been a little bit more privileged. It's a higher, it's a higher thing to be grateful, right? Is that right? Yeah. You, that's yeah. more as a, as a Christian yeah like yeah for sure I mean I love the four pillars and that's that's wild because I've really over the last year or so um like taken a true like introspective look at like my life and and what actually brings me fulfillment and I talk about you know like happiness being a state of being and not some like end goal but I really broke down 
like, and it's weird, it, like those four pillars basically, which I didn't know, um, and really figured out like what brings me joy. And like, it's crazy because I, I thought, you know, like I said, I thought it was going to be like the wealth thing and the success thing, but that's not what brings me joy. Like what brings me joy is like serving other people. And like, that's my, my purpose. And that's what I find fulfilling is like bringing, you know, I guess, yeah, whatever it might be in whatever area it might be, but like trying to improve community and bring purpose and joy to other people and improve other people's quality of life. Like, serving others makes me happy that fulfills me and the other thing really is like love like people I think again like it's just something that seems so simple but like at my core like outside of serving others like the thing that matters to me most in life is like giving love and receiving love like whether that's just like my mantra is just like can like and always kind of has been is like giving kindness and like leading with kindness and I think like that love um just on a daily basis even like in the most simplest of situations truly brings me so much joy so that's that's like what I've really had to rein I guess focus back in on over the last year or two years when I've really been trying to work a lot more on myself and making sure that like I'm healthy as a whole, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally, but that's what I really figured out. So that's quite interesting for me to hear. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can't really speak to, all I can speak to is like my experience growing up and we were not a well-off family either. I didn't come from a lot. I mean, I was wearing my neighbor's son's hand-me-downs, um, <laughs> which is so classic, but um, you know, like we, we didn't. And like, it's not to say that my parents didn't work hard. Like my dad is like, the hardest worker I've ever known and will ever know. Like he will always work. People think I'm nuts for like my work ethic, but like he puts me to shame day in and day out. Like he would leave the house at like 4 a.m. and he'd get home at like half past 10, like every night. Like the man is nuts and he's still, he's 70 now and he still like gets home at like 10 p.m. and leaves at like 5.30. So he's, he's on a new level. But um, yeah, we didn't, we didn't have that. So I think like, for me too, as you're saying, and I can relate to that so, so deeply on such a personal level, because I do, like, I'm really grateful for the things that I have, but I think as I, you know, as I kind of go back to, um, it's the more you get, like, even I am truly grateful. I'm so grateful for, yeah, my life and what I've now got and what I've built for myself, but it's always trying to trying to stay as grounded and as grateful as you can on the daily because as that bar gets higher and you do more and you make more and whatever, right? You become more, it it's less sweet. It's always a little bit less sweet. And so I always like, I don't get in my own head about it now. I'm like, okay, I get this, I get that, I do this, like whatever. Like the thing that matters to me the most is like how people view me, that know me, do they know that I'm kind? Do they know that I'm giving and that I love and that I'm a good person? Um, like those things matter the most. And that's where I, yeah, I find most joy because the rest of it, um, like I said, it, it only feels so good for so long. And then the bar just gets in. It's impossible. The bar will always rise and you'll always try and meet it. And even if you do, it just gets higher and higher and higher. So everything else underneath that is what really matters. That's really well said. Um, 
I guess you sort of answered my next two questions in that, in a way, like a mantra. You, you mentioned the mantra in there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 a bit of a mantra. It's cool to be kind is like my, my saying. Um, yeah. But it is, it's like, could you imagine like being somebody that I have, there's many people out there, um, but I've been on the receiving hand all too many times of like people who are just generally unkind and everybody knows like it's a horrible feeling it's horrible to to be put down or um to feel less than someone else so i've always um i mean and that's not to say that i'm like some airy fairy person because like i dish out some of the best banter you can imagine <laughs> like i like i give it pretty I, I like i can give it pretty hard but um it's with the right people right you know you, yeah, you yeah. know it's with people you love and trust yeah and, um and not that, for like, anybody give it to you back yeah, yeah, like they can give it to you back probably in spades and worse than you give it to them. But like just in general, like whether it's like I'm the person that will like hold a door for someone and like wait five seconds to hold a door for someone. Or like if I get onto set or I'm at an event or whatever, I will say hi to everybody that I walk past or anybody that's helping me in any situation. It's like so simple, but like it's so important. Just kindness to everybody. You know, even people that, again, you don't align with or um, like in politics, like there were people that I completely never in a million years would in a lot of the ways that they view life um, or the, their opinions and the, you know, the things that they were about or what they embodied. I would never, never, ever, you know, be on the same page with them on that. I was still kind to them. I was still nice. I still asked how their families were and I cared. It wasn't superficial. I genuinely genuinely like cared and wanted to know um lead with kindness always lead with kindness mm, nice um just to wrap it up um where can people find you like support like um you know these great things that you're up to uh yeah best place for that stuff um i'm probably most active <laughs> on instagram out of everything um once a month but, guys check her once a month <laughs> oh my god yeah no don't <laughs> nah, um, no, actually don't no i mean Look, I mean, put it this way, uh, I'd rather you go and kind of get involved and, and reach out and, um, and look at, you know, things that are happening locally um, in your own community and go and support that. I mean, I'm just, I guess, a bit of like a, um, a representation of the things that I care about, hopefully, and I hope, think like on my website or on my Instagram that that's what I'm kind of conveying more than anything. So. Yeah, no, no need to go to my Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> um, if if someone's like looking to uh, like study abroad type of thing, so you guys are the guys to hit up Crimson. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, if you want to get involved in anything, like if you're a, a, just somebody that kind of wants to, um, not just with with the the pathway to the US, but like you want to get involved in community, or you just generally want to like get yourself in and around. Um, people that are that are looking to kind of push the world forward i mean i'm i'm having conversations every single day with heaps of different types of people and i love that so like hit me up dm me on instagram or <laughs> like flip, like get in touch with me on my website or whatever like i mean i just want to always like collaborate and always bring people into the conversation and have those necessary conversations and like so many cool things have come from that like it's crazy i can mock you know social media all i want and don't get me wrong it's like a horrible beast in like most ways but one of the cool things that i still utilize it for is like 
just just like not networking but like just meeting new people and hearing new stories um so yeah if you want to just you know I guess touch base and you want to get involved in some of the stuff that I'm involved in or want to get some advice on how you can go and do that in your own community which is probably more important happy to like have a chat Thank you very much, uh, Tessa, for your time and, you know, all the great work you're doing in the community and serving so many people and, um, you know, helping out so many. Thank, thanks for all the great insights there. I learned a lot. Really yeah. appreciate it. Uh, it was a lot of fun um, uh, connecting and um, getting to know you and what you're up to. Wonderful. Uh, thank, thank you so much for having me on. All right. Thanks, Tessa. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. We're done. Boom. That was cool.